0: I've been attending the church now for, well, we've been attending 20 years, and I've uh, been a pastor here on staff for nearly 18, and i got to tell you, this view doesn't get any better than it does today. You guys are awesome. Thanks for coming today. You guys brave the cold. Was it cold for you this morning? I went out to walk my dogs, and it was like 30 below. Like, what's the deal? Right? who left the freezer door open? It was crazy. It's super Sunday, right? You guys psyched for the game? Excited? How many Broncos fans do we have? Broncos, Peyton, going out on a, a few... Panthers fans, anybody? Carolina? All right, all right, they're the favorites, so you guys are, uh, who knows, hopefully it's a good game. I, uh, I tend to you know, watch, a, I scan the game and go to the commercials. I enjoy the watching the, all the ads, it's kind of fun. Hopefully you guys are ready for the big game today. I, I wanna tell you, it's gonna be Super Sunday, but not for the reason you might think. I'm hoping that God gives you something over the next few minutes that uh, makes today extra special. We're really hoping, again, every time you come, that you get something brand new that you didn't have before you came in. So I wanna invite you to take out this outline you received when you came in. Take some notes today. A pen, pencil, there's some pens I think in the backs of the, of the seats. Um, how many of you guys were here for the whole, we're, we're kinda of wrapping up known today. How many of you were here for the whole known series? All five weeks, raise your hand. That's awesome, would you guys stand? I know it's weird, but just please, if you wouldn't mind, just stand up. Let's give them a round of applause. Way to go. Good job, good job, good job. All right, you guys can be seated. All right, so maybe 30, 40 of you in the room made the intentional decision to come to all five weeks. Now, I know stuff happens. I know we all live our lives. It's hard. But I want to bring your attention to a special thing we're doing for all of those who attended all five weeks have known, okay? It's a special surprise. Came from the heart of our pastor. He wants to honor you for your commitment, your intentional decision to be here. Here's what I'd like you to do. If you were here all five weeks, take out a Connect card. They're in the backs of the chairs, okay? Fill out the top part of it. And at the bottom, write the word decal, all right, what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. I want you to take this card when you're done, when we're done with service, okay? We're gonna go out those doors and right at guest services, you're gonna turn that card and they're gonna give you one of these, okay? This is like a static, not a sticker, but kind of one of those static sticky things that you can put on your car window. Here's what that's gonna mean for you because you came to all five weeks of known, you're gonna get preferred parking for the entire relationship series, which starts next week. Pretty cool, right? I'm not making this up. It's, I swear it's true. Now, there's two conditions to this. Number one, you are in church. Look around. Do not lie. All right? Some of you guys are like, they didn't take attendance. They'll never know. The Lord will know. On the holiest of holy days, don't lie to get a good parking space, okay? And number two, to get that parking space, you have to have that that static on your car, okay? And you have to be on time or early because once service starts, those spaces all get opened up to anybody, all right? So you can't pull up here, roll up 15 minutes late with your VIP sticker and go, but I'm a VIP. Fact is, you're all VIPs. Some of you guys will be parking closer because you came to all five weeks of known. Are we good with that? Cool. All right. Make sure you do that. Now, it's funny. Saturday night, we had 20 people stand up that they were here. And 80 people try to get parking passes. Don't be them. Don't be those liars on Saturday night. All right. Take out your, uh, your insert. There's, we're going to take some notes today. I want just a great, great kick, uh, kind of finishing off known and kind of heading into next week. We start the relation series, and it's going to be a blast. I hope you'll get something out of today. It's, it's our goal to, to be able to help you as you move forward and really to re- chase after your God potential. It's interesting, over the last few weeks we've talked to a lot of people and they've taken some very intentional steps for the first time. Maybe they're tithing for the first time or they're serving for the first time. You know, Pastor issued that challenge week one of the series to get out there and and make a difference and make intentional decisions and a lot of you guys have taken him up on that and it's really, we've heard story after story about how God has used that to change change people's lives. It's amazing how a few intentional decisions can change the path of your life. Just a few well-thought-out strategic choices for God that can change your life. I found some interesting words here about impact. Uh, I put them in your outline. Bidemi Mark Morty says, she says this, Impact is never about knowing all the steps ahead, but about taking one intentional step after another. So it's not about knowing the whole plan. It's just a series of intentional steps will help your life make an impact. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is how to live a life of impact for God. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you make an impact. Go ahead. All right, now the other side. You do. Fact fact is, <clears throat> I get all choked up talking about it. You, you make an impact. You, you may not realize it, but you leave a footprint wherever you go. I mean, chances are we're all going to die. That, that's pretty, the odds are pretty high, right? And when we die, how are they going to talk about you? Did you make a big impact for God with your life? Or or not? I mean, we all make an impact whether we want to or we don't want to. It's just a simple matter of fact. And we're going to talk about today how to make a bigger impact for God. And I I want to share a story with you. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to take them out. We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 3, and that's where our text will be today. Pastor Troy talked about Daniel in week 1. We're going to talk about his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you've heard of these guys before. If you are Veggie Tales from back in the day, you know them better as Rack. Shack and Benny, right? And this is, these are three guys who really went through the fire, and uh, we're going to discover how we can help, you know, kind of get some things out of their life to live more impactful, uh, d- to make better decisions for God. So, here's the situation, okay? They've been driven away, the Hebrews, the Jews have been driven out of their homeland, uh, and they're living in Babylon in exile. In Babylon, the king of Babylon, anybody know his name? Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling Babylon, and he basically has taken all of the Hebrews captive. And in his great wisdom, as he would put it, he's appointed some of their own, some, of the, some Jews, some Hebrews, to rule over their own people. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are three of those guys. Daniel was also a ruler. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are rulers, and they're, they're ruling the people. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar gets this weird idea. I'm going to construct a gold statue, and I'm going to make everybody worship it. Now, scholars would argue, they say they don't exactly know what that gold statue looked like, but most believe it was a statue that looked like King Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, he wanted them to worship him as a god. And and our buddies, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to make a very important decision. But let's pick up the story. It's not in your outline, but I did put it up on the screens. Daniel 3. Here it is. Daniel 3, starting in verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. So some of these astrologers, these, you know, kind of fortune teller guys, are going to go tell on people that are not worshiping the gold statue. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when, uh, when they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. So people had a choice. When they heard these instruments being played, they could either take a knee at the statue or burn up in a fire. Those were their choices. Not, not great, right? But there are some Jews, and here's the tattling part, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Here's the big question. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you how many more chances? One. I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? So they had a pretty big decision to make. Life and death. Kneel to the statue or die. Compromise what they knew to be right or pay the price for that, right? Now, imagine the scene. Here's their boss, King Nebuchadnezzar, lays down this ultimatum. ever found yourself in a situation where you've been challenged with compromising what you knew to be right? I mean, somebody asks you to do something and you, you just have that feeling in your gut, this isn't what I should be doing with my life. And it's a wrestling match, isn't it? It's one of those, uh, maybe not life or death, maybe it's just simple, something simple as going to the gym. Now, when that alarm goes out, now the, morning ver- the night version of you has every good intention. You set the alarm, you set out your workout clothes, your sneakers are ready by the door, and then the morning you has to face the alarm, right? And the alarm goes off, and what happens? We have this wrestling match, right? Now, it's not life or death. If you, don't, if you skip the gym, you're probably going to make it. You'll be okay, right? But we know we should take care of the temple God gave us. Seems like an easy- these kind of decisions happen all the time. What should I eat? What job should I take? Should I watch that movie or not? Right? Am I going to compromise what, or are my decisions going to be intentional? Do I want to put together a life that honors God and makes an impact? Or am I going to worship the flesh? Bow down to the gold God instead of the true God. Now, these are, these are hard decisions we all make. But we've got to live life intentionally. Do me a favor. Let's break the ice a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the worst decision you ever made. No, don't, don't, don't say that. On second thought, no, don't do that. Somebody back here in this, I'm looking, watching this area of the crowd, your eyes got like this big, like, is he really going to make us do that? But we all blow it in this area, don't we? I mean, I've done that before. I've been faced with the, op- the opportunity to, to worship God with my, my decision-making, my intentionality, if you would. And I'm, I've made that mistake sometimes. We all, we all do it. We're faced with these decisions every single day. But I believe that if we can start living more intentionally, our impact for God can be bigger. In fact, I think intentional living teaches us two things, and I want to give them to you in your outline. Here's number one. Intentional living impacts our decisions. We just talked about that, right? It impacts our decisions, what we decide to do. Let's see what the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide to do. Daniel three sixteen is It's in your verse, in your outline. Here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to what? save us underline that if you would to save us he will rescue us you can underline that also from your power your majesty but even if he doesn't even if he doesn't we want to make it clear to you nebuchadnezzar that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up so basically our buddies tell him our boys say no we're not doing that and if you could probably guess king nebuchadnezzar didn't take kindly to that decision nobody told the king no it just didn't happen you, you, you don't say that. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible tells us, flies into a rage, and he does exactly what he said he was going to do. He sentences them to die in the furnace. Instantly, he says, you guys are going to go in there and burn up. And he says, I don't want the furnace set to its normal heat. I want you to crank it up. I want you to go turn it up to 11 and rip off the knob. I want it, he says, seven times hotter than it needs to be. I'm, I'm going to make charcoal briquettes out of these boys, he said. I'm going to make an example out of them because nobody says no to me. So, tough decision, right? I mean, they chose death, essentially. But you know what I think? As I read through the scriptures, I think making that decision was not so hard for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they'd already decided long before this question was even asked what they would do if presented such a case. What do I mean by that? I talk to a lot of adults that want to get into relationships. They say, Pastor, I want to meet the perfect person. What do I do? I say, take out a sheet of paper look at me kind of strange. Like, what? Am I going to draw them? What do you you want me to do with the paper? I said, number in one to three. And in numbers one through three, I want you to make a list of the non-negotiables. What is it about them they have to have in order for you to to, to date them? You know, if it's it's being a Christian, maybe make that number one. And don't budge on these three things. And then here's what I want you to do. Below that, I want you to write what you will do and won't do before marriage. Just spell it out right on paper. And they said, but I'm not in a relationship yet. I said, that's why it's the perfect time to do this. Because what happens is when you meet Mr. Right or Miss Right or whatever you think, when emotions start getting involved, what happens? This gets a lot cloudier, doesn't it? It gets a lot harder to make God-honoring decisions in the moment. It's much easier to do it ahead of time. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no problems making this decision. Why? Because they made it a long time before they were asked the question. We're going to honor God no matter what. Even if it costs us our life, we're going to honor God. The true God. I put it in your notes this way. Living intentionally means deciding ahead of time who you're going to worship and what you're willing to compromise. If we're going to live intentional lives, we have to decide now, before the decision comes, are we going to worship God with our decisions or us or stuff or money or whatever your God is. Pick now before the decision comes. It's very, very helpful. When I was was a kid, I used to love dot-to-dots. Anybody dot-to-dot fans? I put one in your outline. You see it? How many of you guys have already done it? Raise your hand. It's okay. No penalties. Some of you guys got bored and you started working. It's no problem. If you haven't done it, take it out. Please do that puzzle for me, please. Now, I'm going to warn you, I put an extra dot in there to trick you. See if you can spot it. All right, do the puzzle. It's going to look like this when you're done. I guess the biggest puzzle I have right now is figuring out why the picture's not up there. It's up here. No, it's there it is. And we want to, what's it look like when it's done? See if you got it right. There we go. How many of you guys got it right? Raise your hand. If you didn't, let's chat after service, okay? (laughs) How did you know what it was? I didn't even number the dots. I try to make it hard, right? How did you know? Because you know what an apple looks like, don't you? Now, did you find the extra dot? Did you see it? It's way over there in the corner. How did you know not to put this dot in the picture? It's kind of stray, isn't it? It doesn't really feel like it belongs. I think this kind of reflects our lives. I put it in your notes this way. See, if you wouldn't mind filling this in. When you know what your life's supposed to look like, it's easy to decide what doesn't belong. You all knew this was an apple, and you knew what dot to leave out. Why? Because you know what an apple looks like. Think about your life for a second. If you know what your life is supposed to look like, what what types of decisions God wants you to make, what the Bible says about you, it is really easy to make decisions. Because when you make a decision, and you have a decision to make, let's say, for example, you've been asked to be dishonest at work. And you know that what the picture of your life is supposed to look like is to live a life of integrity. God has put you on this earth to live a life of honesty, integrity, and love. And you say, okay, am I supposed to be dishonest? Well, you look at the picture of your life. Look what they're asking you to do. The decision is simple. Because you know it doesn't belong. It doesn't fit the picture. It's a stray dot. We've got to, make, we have to know what our life's supposed to look like. And it helps our decision-making be more intentional. So... We read God's word, we apply it to our lives, we get the picture of our life. And, and, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had a good picture of their lives. They knew what God had called them to do. So they say, no, they're not going to worship the gold statue. They're not going to take a knee. And what does the king do? He orders to fire up the furnace, tie him up, and let's get out, get rid of him. He sends his two biggest soldiers to carry them to the fire. And we're going we're gonna to pause it there. I know you guys are on the edge of your seat. Don't read ahead. Hopefully you already know the story, but... We're going to find out what happens to them in just a second. All right, now, here's the second thing. Intentional living impacts our beliefs. Intentional living impacts our beliefs. And just think about it a second. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have stopped this procedure like that. When they're getting tied up, all they have to say is, well, you know what, we changed our minds. We're not going to, we'll, we'll move out of your statue. But they didn't. They didn't. Intentional living impacts our beliefs. They are guests of honor at a barbecue of them. Challenging. I want to give you a spoiler alert. They turn out OK. They make it. You can all exhale. Whew, our boys make it through. But how? how? This doesn't look like the odds are against them. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna bake for their beliefs. They're going to get fired up, literally. I would say this to you today. Last week, Pastor Tyler talked about prayer. And it was an amazing message. If you weren't here, you missed out. It was incredible. If you can grab it in our bookstore, download it off our app, it's free. Great teaching. I know for a fact, so many of you came forward last week, and I got the honor to pray with you. I know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the only people in a fire. Because some of us in this room, some of us at all of our campuses, are going through a fire of your own. First of all, I just want to say this. If you came forward for prayer last week, that took a lot of courage. And it is our honor as pastors and leaders here at this church to pray with you and lift you up. And you've been prayed for all week long. Some of us are in a fire today. Some of us have lived a life intentionally. Some of us have not lived a life intentionally and find ourselves in a lot of pain, kind of similar to the pain that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego anticipated. And it hurts. And we don't know if it's ever going to stop. Because the enemy's gonna convince you that this is the season you're in. That the pain you're feeling today is the pain you're gonna feel forever. You brought it on yourself, after all. I know you hurt, but there's no hope. That's what the enemy will try to tell you. But I really believe in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There are some survival tips. They've basically shown us how to survive the fire in our lives through surviving the fire in theirs. Now there's a verse there in your outline, verse 22. Look what happens to these guys. It says the king, in his anger, had demanded a hot fire in the furnace. The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the 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 three men in. I'll get it out. Now think about this a second. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are tied up, and they're about to be thrown into this hot furnace. And the second the soldier opens the door to throw them in, both of the big burly soldiers burn up. I love that God is so intentional. I love the fact that the fire that was supposed to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God-honoring, intentional, deciding men, killed the soldiers that had them all captive. Well, what does that mean for us? How do we get through a fire on our own? I put it in your notes this way. Because we made it through the door, we will make it through the flames. God uses the fire to reassure us. God uses the fire that you're in to reassure you reassure you of what? Well, you made it through the door. Yeah, you're in a fire. Yes, it's hard. But the decision you made with your life, you could be dead. You could be in prison. You could have lost everything. But you didn't. Are you in a fire? Is it painful? Yes. But God got you through the door. And the same God that got you through the door Is the one that's going to guide you through the flames out the other side. The fact that you survived the entry point matters. We just got to live intentionally for him. So God uses the fire to reassure us that we're going to make it. Here's the second thing the fire does for us. God uses the fire to draw us closer to him. Please fill that in. God uses the fire to draw us closer to him. Now, I love this part of the story because... King Nebuchadnezzar looks inside the furnace, and what does he see? First of all, he sees his boys burned up at the door, right? He doesn't expect that. Then he looks inside the little portal, and you can imagine, he sees Shadrach, he sees Meshach, he sees Abednego, and they're they're not dead, and if you keep reading scripture, what does it say? He saw a fourth figure in the flames. Now, some scholars would tell you that's an angel, but others, the majority of others, would tell you that that's Christ. The, what they call the pre-incarnate Christ, which simply means this. It was Christ appearing before he came as a baby that God sent him down to be in the flames with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now think about that in your life. Nebuchadnezzar looks inside, he sees four figures. The enemy wants to tell you you're all alone your pain. That you're the only one that's ever felt this bad about anything that the fire is unquenchable, that you will feel like this forever. What I read is that God is present in those flames. You ever want to run from your problems? Boy, I do. I want to run Forrest Gump style from my problems. You ever want to run from a nagging spouse, a bad job, low pay, unfairness, insecurity, depression? I think, if we're being honest, a lot of us, that's, that's just a natural fight-or-flight reaction. We just want to get past it, right? Back in the 70s, they used to have a commercial for a bubble bath called Calgon. Remember it? Calgon, take me away. I'm dating myself. You guys can YouTube it. It's there. Get me away from my problems, because that's a natural reaction. And you can imagine that, that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably had to have thought that, right? If we just say, well, bow to the statue, we could run. And then they get inside the fire and they're like, first of all, why aren't we dead, right? Who's the fourth guy? Can we get out of here? They didn't run. They didn't run. And because they didn't run from their problems, what they thought could have been the worst day of their lives turned into the very best day of their lives because they were in the presence of God himself. Running's not the answer. I put it in your notes this way. Sometimes what we're running from is the very thing that will bring us face-to-face with God. Sometimes what we're running from is the very thing that will bring us face-to-face with God. Pain is an amazing educator. I don't like it, but I learn more in pain than I do in pleasure. I have a PhD in the school of 2 by 4 up the back of my head. Do I like the experience? No. But I learn a lot in the fire. You know what I learned in the fire? I learned that I don't have to do it all, and I'm not supposed to. I learned that God is present even when I don't feel that he's around. I learned that I have more strength through him than I do in myself. I mean, these are lessons I learned in the flames of my life. God says, I'll I'll draw you closer to me. You're not in the fire by yourself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not in the flames by themselves. God is present with you. Now for some of us, we've been in that fire a long time. And we started to believe that we're fighting alone. If you hear nothing else from me today, hear this, you are never alone. You serve a God who is not gonna budge by your side. If you're going through whatever it is, depression, anxiety, trouble with your kids, personal finances, whatever it is, whatever your flames are right now, God is present in them. I wrote in your notes this way, God didn't save them from the furnace, He saved them in the furnace. And that's an important distinction. God did not spare them the experience of the pain. He saved them when they were in the fire. Why? Because sometimes we need the fire to make us stronger. There are lessons you will learn in the fires of your life that you can't learn any other way. Boy, I wish there was a book you could read. Or I wish there was a tape you could listen to. A tape. What year is this? Uh, A download, right? Sorry, I lost my mind a sec. I got Calgon and tapes in my head. I wish there was an easier way to get these lessons than pain, but there isn't. You get stronger. You ever spend time on YouTube or, or maybe you're on the Internet and you, you kind of start that chain, like you end up in a place you never started. I'm watching YouTube the other night and I ended up on a video about butterflies. No idea how I got there, just did. You know what, it was interesting because there was a study about, you know when caterpillars become butterflies, they make, they make cocoons, right? And they're in a cocoon and, and, and the butterfly... It starts to emerge out of the cocoon, and you see it kind of struggling, right? And you see the cocoon moving, and all of a sudden, the cocoon bursts, and out pops a beautiful butterfly. Well, some scientists decided one time they wanted to help the butterflies out. So they took some cocoons, and they made a little razor cut on the edge of the cocoon, right, to open it up, so when the butterfly was ready, it could just jump on out. I'm here. You know what they found out? When the time for the butterflies to be born, they popped right out of the slit that they'd made, and they flopped on the ground and died. Why? Well, the scientists discovered the reason that butterflies fight and kick and punch to get out of their cocoons and work so hard is because when they're doing that, they're building muscle and strength to have when they, when they, when they're, they can keep them alive. Some of you have been fighting against the cocoon for a long time. Kicking, punching, in the flames, feeling like you're going to burn up. In that pain, God is making you stronger. And he's giving you skills that you will need to thrive when its fire is done we just need the struggle now i know that's not easy to hear it's like just tell me how to get rid of the struggle god says you need it to get stronger so god stays with us god reassures us here's the third one god uses the fire to give us freedom god uses the fire to give us freedom i love these two passages of scripture Verse 21 in Daniel 3 says this. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, right? We we discovered that. They bound their hands. But look at the next verse, verse 25. The very last word. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, what? Unbound. The very first thing God does when they hit the flames was get rid of the ropes. The very first thing God did when they were hurting was free them. In our lives, we struggle with stuff. And we find ourselves in fire. Sometimes we started the fire ourselves. Sometimes we're the victims of somebody starting a fire for us. But yet we're bound. And I I think in that fire, there's freedom. I talked to a a guy who was a drug addict. And people, he said, pastor, he said, some people tried to do uh, interventions for me. And they they told me I need to kick drugs. And they told me all these anti-drug things. And you know what? I just didn't even listen to them. And then I found myself in a hospital bed, nearly dead from an overdose. Definitely a fire, wouldn't you say? And he says, as I laid there in the bed, I realized that all of them all along had been right. I really needed to get clean, and he did. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Sometimes you gotta see the dangers of where you're headed. But God says, hey, in that, I'm gonna free you. Fire is cleansing. Sometimes it takes a separation to realize that you've been a jerk to your spouse. I hope it doesn't come to that in your life. Sometimes it takes a repossession to realize you're spending beyond your, you're living beyond your means. Sometimes, but I'll tell you this, when you hit rock bottom, God says, okay, what got you to the fire was whatever behavior it was, but I want to free you from that. I want to liberate you from that, that you feel like I'm just bound to this forever. So God uses the fire to reassure us, I will get you through. He says, I'm going to draw close to you, and I'm going to free you while you're in that pain. So what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, I'm going to give you that last blank before we get there. The enemy wants to bind us up with blank, and I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that is. That's, there's no answer to fill in there. Is it depression, anxiety, distrust, fear, worry, doubt? And you don't have to write the word. If you want to write a code word or a symbol that represents the word, that's fine. You know what it is. It's the same thing that's tied you up night after night after night, year after year, and you swore that 2016, you are gonna be free of it. But I love part two of that fill-in. It says this, God will use the fire that you're in to burn the ropes that hold you down. Your pain has purpose. God wants to free you from those things. So if we finish up the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walk out of the fire. And, they're so, and Nebuchadnezzar looks at them, and he's so astounded that they made it through, that God protected them in that flame, that Nebuchadnezzar actually says, okay, from now on, anybody who makes fun of their God, I'm going to put them to death. Quite a turnaround. They walked free. Their fire came to a close. So what are we supposed to take from all of this? I put three final truths, and we're done. Number one, what the enemy uses to incinerate burn you up God will use to accelerate you what do I mean by that some of us are carrying a heavy weight I don't know what yours is but you've been carrying it for a long time and it's caused you a lot of pain unforgiveness distrust maybe it's every time you look in a mirror you see the person you see in front of you you you're not you like you know I know they tell me that I'm God's masterpiece but I don't feel like it maybe it's self-image But I can tell you this, that in the fire you're going through, when that weight is released, when those chains are broken, you're gonna run faster and harder when you exit those flames than ever before. You will soar. Count on the fact that it's coming, that what you're going through right now will not last forever. And you will run faster towards your God potential than you ever thought possible. Here's the second thing, please fill it in. What you're going through right now isn't punishment, it's preparation. God is not in heaven going, okay, you had a really lousy, screwed up teenage years, so from now on, for the rest of your life, you're going to be in an eternal fire. You're going to be in torture. That's not the God we serve. Now, are there consequences for choices we make? Yes. And some of the fires we're in, we need to be in them because we caused them. But they're not going to last forever. Sometimes we're suffering consequences. Someone else walks out on us. We didn't cause it, but we're in it. God says, I'm not punishing you. I'm preparing you for what's to come. Just like that butterfly. We need the stress of the fire to get stronger. And here's the last one. If you've heard nothing else I've said over the last 20-something minutes, I want you to hear this. All of our campuses, you will make it through. But the fire you experience right now, this is not a sentence for your life. This is a season of your life. Now, I wish I could tell you with all my heart, I really do, I wish I could tell you it was gonna go on. Hang on two more weeks, you'll be okay. Hang on one more month, you got this. Another year and you'll be through it. I don't know what it is in your life. I wish I did. There's no answer to that. I don't don't know how long it's gonna be, but I promise you this, you will make it through. Look at the verse. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell the smoke. God not only got them through the fire, they came through it perfectly. I say this, and I say this with all the sincerity I can muster, this is not a cliche, your best days are ahead of you. You might have had some great days before this, and I don't care how old you are right now, you could be 80 years old, you could be 18, but I believe with all my heart, why not? Why can't your best days be ahead of you, your best relationships, your best breakthroughs, your best healing? Why can't it be that way? Because a lot of us have convinced ourselves that this is what it's going to feel like forever. Does it happen supernaturally? Does it happen when we snap our fingers? No, it's a process, but God will see you through it. All we have to do, all God asks us to do is live intentionally. What does that mean? That means worship him. Whatever you put in front of God, remove it. It means love other people. It means make choices of integrity. Take the high road. Serve one another. I mean, when we read the Bible, apply what it says. These are simple things. Sometimes they're tough, but they're simple to apply. And when we live intentional lives, not only will your life make a bigger impact, but you'll come through the flames, untouched and perfect to live out your best days. Church, I want to challenge you. Let's make 2016 the year of intentionality because at the end of 2016, I promise you that your life will make a bigger impact than you ever imagined or. God, we thank you that you allow us third and fourth and fifth chances, even in the flames, God, as we struggle. Help us to do exactly what you say in your word, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to live lives of intentionality, to make good God-honoring decisions. Because we know, Father, when we do that, you're going to see us through those flames of our lives. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, and all of our campuses and online, pray for their families God there's so much pain so much heartache so much challenge so much stress so much worry and God the flames are hot but father we know that you're bigger than any flame more powerful than any furnace and more loving than anyone in our lives I pray father that we believe that and that we live lives of intentionality for you so that the kingdom grows And that the impact we leave behind here will be one that brings you glory and you honor. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory for the breakthrough that's coming in all of our lives. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen, let's give God a hand this morning. Amen.